Hey, Mill City, it's great to see you. If you love Jesus, say, I do. Hey, um, I deeply love Aaron and Jossie Stern. 22 years ago, uh, we uh, met, and um, I want you to know that um, for me, I'm sure that there are other people out there that are walking more authenticity and integrity. I just don't know them. And um, Aaron and Jossie Stern have uh, followed Jesus through good days and hard days, and they are an incredible example for my wife and I. Um, they're actually 25 years older than us. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> about two years older, uh, deeply love them. Can you give a big hands for Aaron and Jossie Stern? I love you, brother. So grateful for you. Um, hey, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go after uh, talking about prayer today as we go into 21 days of prayer. I'm gonna go Acts chapter one. And um, if you've got a screen, you can just turn it on. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can do a screen in church. Uh, uh, if you, the Bible app, that's it. Um, greetings from Kansas City. Thank you for your investment in us five years ago. Uh, God is doing great things. Uh, he has uh, started a new church and a new football team while we've been there. And so, I'm um, just kidding. Uh, all right, I tried that. All right, all right so anyway. Um, uh, it's going really, really well, and we love you, and uh, we love uh, just the friendship between your church and our church. Uh, Acts chapter 1, here's, here's what I want us to go after. I want us to talk about the prayer meeting today. I want us to talk about the dignity of the prayer meeting, the privilege of the prayer meeting, the opportunity of the prayer meeting. So instead of a passive consumeristic mentality about should I go to the prayer meeting, I want to go after like a battering ram, the dignity, the opportunity to be a part of these prayer meetings. So let's look at early church prayer culture today. Early church, what it looked like then, and what it could look like, uh, both here uh, in Fort Collins at Mill City and for us, Radiant in Kansas City, because we want to go after building an authentic praying church. Acts chapter 1, uh, great little moment where we have the disciples listed, and then it says something that they do. It says, verse 14, they all joined together, interesting word, together, constantly in prayer, constantly. So they, they gathered together constantly. It was part of the culture. It's what they did. They gathered together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So Acts chapter 1, here's what they're doing. So what do we actually, what do we do together? Well, part of it is joining together constantly in prayer. You go Acts chapter 2, and this is another phrase where we get a little window into what the church is doing. It says, they devoted themselves, we see four things, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So it's not the only thing that they're doing, but it is something that they are doing. And I, I think that this is significant because we see Paul constantly mobilizing prayer. He's constantly saying, hey, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me that I might fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So he's inviting others to pray for him. He's praying for them. We read all through the epistles where he'll say, and I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He'll pray for them. He'll pray that they would know the height, width, width depth of the love of God. So there's a prayer culture in Acts. We read about Paul as he's starting these churches. There's a prayer culture. And these 21 days is about a prayer culture right here at Mill City. And so I want to... Uh, take just some time to talk about what it could look like for you to have a mentality going into these 21 days of maybe less minimalistic as you're thinking. Maybe less of, thank you, Pastor Aaron. Thank you for the opportunity. I'll tell you what, I'll, I will decide if I'll make this a priority. I'll decide which ones I'm going to do versus I want to invite you to look at it at the loss 
of not engaging in all that God has available for you in these 21 days. And I want to tell you a story of what God's done uh, for me in an accidental 23 days of prayer uh, in 2020. So let's pray together and we'll dive in. Father, we love you. And I thank you for what you're doing at Mill City. I thank you for the, uh, the beautiful church that represents Jesus to Northern Colorado. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that these 21 days of prayer would be powerful. I pray, Lord God, that we would grow closer to your heart. I pray that we would be connected with each other. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would see miracles in the power of God. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said amen. amen. Yeah, so the title could be uh, John Wesley's quote, prayer is where the action is. And I want you to believe that in your bones. Prayer is where the action is. Uh, my dad... Um, uh, went into the hospital in November of 2020 with COVID. And um, I don't know if you've uh, heard me here at Mill City before in years past, um, but I've told many stories about my dad and my dad's intentionality of making disciples of his children. And so my dad, uh, he's a phenomenal father. He's been, uh, both my parents are amazing uh, Christians, pastors, and uh, in their mid-70s. And to see God use them in my lifetime has been amazing. My dad made a decision um, when we were young, to disciple his kids. So my parents accidentally had triplets in 1976 um, and uh, named uh, them David, Dana, and Deborah. So I am uh, four minutes wiser than Dana, eight minutes more mature than Deborah, and uh, then five years more mature than my brother, accidental baby, Dan, David, Dana, Deborah, Dan. Uh, my mom's name is Debbie, and my dad's name is Hal. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, but my dad began to intentionally disciple us in a systematic way, both in taking us out one-on-one -on -one as well as uh, we would have family discipleship meetings each day. So he taught us the Bible and he taught us how to pray. He was a very intentional father. And so um, when, um, when my dad went into the hospital, um, our family immediately went to prayer because obviously my dad, he's very close uh, with each one of us. Um, all of my... Um, all of my siblings' spouses are following, are following Jesus, and all of us are in full-time ministry. And so all of us decided we're going to gather together via Zoom yeah, while Dad's in the hospital. And uh, our first thought was we'll just gather tonight, the first night, while he's in the hospital and pray for him. So we, we, we gathered together on Zoom. Um, Dad was able to be on his iPhone 75 um, and engage with prayer, connected to an oxygen machine. And, uh, and we prayed and we prayed night one and then we prayed night two and then night three and then night four. And so we started to rearrange our lives so that we could all gather together and pray together before we went to bed at night. And, um, and then it got worse and worse, day five and day six and day seven and day eight. And I, and I started to develop this rhythm of praying every night with my family, needing a miracle for my dad. And um, when you go through that journey, it's... it's uh, it's very emotional. Um, you have this high hope, high expectation, and, and there's a whole lot of laboring. Prayer is laboring in the spiritual realm. And so you're asking God, God, would you break in and would you do a miracle? And we decided that when the doctor said that my dad would not make it, that we were going to pray till his last breath. And so my siblings and I got on a separate text thread and we said, how do we want to handle this? All of us are navigating, uh, discipling, coaching, walking our children through this process. And, 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 and we decided that we were going to continue to ask God and to continue to pray and maintain this no matter what. And the doctor came to my dad and said, um, 
Your lungs have experienced a mortal wound you will not recover. And, and actually told my dad that your family is creating a problem by virtue of, of continuing to create this hope that you will uh, walk out of here. And he said, your family is living in denial. Probably a mature Christian would just, you know, take that and be okay with it. But in my immaturity, I changed the name of our text thread to living in denial. Um, <laughs> because I just, I just refused. And, um, sorry. And then, uh, so day 15 and day 16, day 17. Um, and we just continued to just ask the Lord and, and, and believe. And, and we would cry with my dad at night. And, and my, my children began to go through some of the ebbs and flows of high hopes and high faith. And then the moments of, are we going to lose him? And you began to just go through the pain of disappointment. Uh, and, and you've got little, it's sprinkled with little moments of, of uh, and we would just celebrate just the smallest of victories. And the doctor said to my dad, when my mom said, we're, we're believing God that one day Hal will come home. And the doctor replied to my mom, the only way Hal will ever come home is if you build a hospital around the house. He's not coming home. And, um, and, and then on day uh, 23, um, they, they, they put my, my dad by now did not have COVID anymore. Um, he went in with COVID but developed pneumonia and ARDS, pulmonary embolism, uh, in addition to COVID. But he came out of the COVID unit because um, that had gone. He only had these three. And, uh, and, and he was headed to comfort care. Um, and, and they told us he had 24 hours to live. And they let my mom go in um, in order to be with him uh, in his closing moments, um, only to have my mom go in and sit with them. And as he was on 65 liters of oxygen, a nurse came in and she turned it to 60 and then 55 and then 40, and then 30, and then 20, and then five. And my mom said, what are you doing? He can't live without this oxygen. And this nurse looked back at my mom and said, he doesn't need it. And the doctor came in and said, Hal, I don't know how to explain this to you, but your lungs are working just fine. And this year, my dad has preached in 26 different cities. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll never forget telling the Lord, um, there was a day that I sat there and spent um, four hours opening up my prayer journal, and I just put wisdom from Dad. I thought it was my last uh, moments to talk about. My dad had been talking to me about Jesus since I was little. Oh, I'm still little, since I was young. And, um, uh, and I said to the Lord, God, if you'll heal my dad, uh, I will tell the story all the days of my life. And so I'm, I'm making good on that promise, even by telling you today, um, because there's, there's been some high moments, um, 
because of the, the miracle, we made this YouTube video where my, my triplet sisters and my brother and I and our, and our spouses and, our grand, and the, my dad's grandchildren, our kids, uh, told the story. And so all these people across the country have just been direct messaging us, asking us to pray. So I, I spent 2021 praying with people that I never met. And, I, and I've seen uh, some people be healed. And uh, I've seen some moments where I've gathered my children and prayed and um, people that we believed God. My dad was 75. I've just last week was praying for a 41-year-old with four children and he passed away. And um, so there's the moments where it's been a hilltop and there's moments that have been valley. But here's what I've learned for me, that it, in addition to the miracles, in addition to the, the, the answered prayer or the moments where I say, I, I, I don't know, I don't understand but I trust you, God, with, with the disappointment. It's actually the process of intercession and prayer that has surprising benefits. I'll never forget on that night before my dad was healed, I went and I led our local church prayer meeting and we were on online only. And, uh, and I stood at, a, at a, a table just like this and for an hour, I just led my church in prayer within the back of my head me thinking it's, it's highly possible that my dad is coming to the end. And I'll just never forget saying to the Lord as I drove home, just saying, you know what? I trust you. And if he dies, I'll thank God for 75 great years. And I'll thank God and I'll trust you. And here's what I learned. That in the midst of the process of intercession, not just prayers where the action is, but prayers where the friendship is. Because you end up close to God. We can read about some of the Old Testament intercessors. And Abraham is crying out to God in the, in the place of intercession. And he ends up a friend of God. Or Moses in Exodus 32. God, don't destroy these people. God, these are your people. And God's like, these are your people. These are your people. And you see that interaction that's raw. And Moses ends up the friend of God. And I want to invite you, instead of disconnecting from God out of disappointment, to be real and raw with God and watch relationship form with him. So instead of disappointment or, or frustration causing you to develop accusation towards God, in the place of intercession, praying even for other people, not just for yourself, you'll be surprised how the friends of God are the people that care about the things of God. So when Aaron Stern holds this card up and the temptation is to think, I need a miracle and you do, just like I did, just like my dad did. But can I tell you this? In addition to the beautiful piece of my dad needing a miracle, I experienced this closeness with God in the midst of the pain. I'll tell you this, it's oftentimes in the midst of the pain and that heartache where you're finally not just the rich American that is using God as a means to get what I want, but instead the desperate Christian that you find yourself going, those are the moments that you're close to God and you're real and you're raw and you're saying, God, I'm desperate. And when you're praying, when you're praying for other people, when you're, when you're coming in, instead of saying, tell you what, Aaron, I'm going to look at what prayer meetings fit my schedule 
but flip it and say, I'm gonna change my schedule. Maybe I'll make a little less money. Maybe I might not get as much entertainment. I'm gonna make the prayer meeting a priority. They devoted themselves to prayer. They gathered together constantly in prayer. You say, and what you'll do is you'll, you'll pick up these cards and you'll pray for somebody else's miracle. You'll pray for somebody else's husband. You'll pray for somebody else's kid. And you'll watch the end of 21 days, your heart will be closer to God. I'm telling you, intercession is a gateway to intimacy. You'll find yourself close to God. You go, I don't even know how to explain it. I'm drawing near to God for the sake of others and I'm finding friendship with him. You can read Paul in anguish praying for the churches and he's the intimate friend of God. He's just like, oh, whether it's Epaphras wrestling in prayer. So stop thinking about prayer just as a means to get what you want and think about it at, you're as a disciple of Jesus, the privilege of praying for other people and you'll wake up in 21 days and you'll go, I was praying for other people and now I'm surprised how my heart is tender, how I have a heart of flesh instead of stone. I got a tender heart instead of one that's just a little bit, wanting to have another theological question about how God can be both sovereign, use free will. Why doesn't he do more miracles? Why doesn't this look more like heaven anyway? Instead of being the kind of, God, I, I, I'm pretty intelligent and I, I, I don't know why you run the world the way that you do. You're the disciple that says, I'm a friend of God. And there will be a day where I'll see more than I see now. But right now, it was my privilege to pray and I've seen God be a word. You'll, you'll, you'll end up prayers where the action is, prayers where the friendship is. But not only is prayer where the friendship is, prayer is where the camaraderie is. You can look at almost any of the social media in our culture today, and people love to connect around something, right? C.S. Lewis talks about a friendship being around surprise. Wow, you too, I thought I was the only one. And it's the idea that friendship is formed around an interest that we both have in something. Let me tell you, the place where it's fiery is when you gather with other intercessors, asking God to do his work in your community and in your city. And you'll end up going, I feel more connected to you. Community, camaraderie, friendship. The prayer meeting is the seedbed for great friendships. So you tend to look like a consumer and say, ah, I wish that they would make a, a small group catalog that's more colorful. Ah, I wish that we could have, uh, someone would just say hi to me. Ah, flip it and be the person that says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come before God at the prayer meeting. I'm gonna cry out to God for these people and I'm gonna connect with other intercessors and here's what'll happen. My sister-in-law said on day 24, after dad's miracle, she said, I need something else to pray for with you guys because I don't want the nightly Zoom prayer meetings to end because our family's never been this close before. Why? We've been to war together. We've been, we'd been in a battle and we had dark moments and we had had just a high moment. And I'm telling you what, if you get into that rhythm, that prayer rhythm, where you look at another friend and you say, I don't know why this tragedy but I'm praying for you and I love you and I'm with you. And then you come and you look back and you say to them the, the next few, three days later, we've been praying for this person. God did something amazing. You just celebrate together and it's better than uniting around food or the Broncos or CSU or taxes or name it. 
And you'll be surprised how God at work in our midst becomes a rally cry that has far more community joy than anything that we can just kind of make up and have fun with. And it's, I'm telling you, there's great benefits to the intercessor. I, I, I want to invite you not just to fill one of these out, but to think, I'm not going to miss. And I know, I, I know you hear moments like this and you think, that's great. Uh, I'll do what I can. Aaron Stern says, skip screens. And you're like, not on your life, baby. Here's what I invite you to. I want to invite you to ask God, not what's convenient, but God, what's sacrificial? What what are you inviting me to? And take a step of faith. Charles Spurgeon used to take preachers that wanted to be like him and they'd show up and they'd want to preach like him and he'd take them to the Monday night prayer meeting instead and say, this, this is the powerhouse of the church. These fiery intercessors, friends of God, enjoy being together, believing for the power of God. And I'll tell you this, the prayer meeting, it's where the power's at. I just wanna invite you. Not only is prayer where friendship is, where camaraderie is, but prayer is where the power is. It's God at work. It's finally coming to the end of my rope and saying, I guess in all of my physical intellectual strength or physical strength or relational strength or financial strength, it's all weak compared to God the creator And God, I'm desperate for your power instead of mine. And so, God, I need you. I was reading just through 2 Timothy, and it comes to the end where Paul is is speaking to young Timothy, and there's this long list of sins. And there's long, where it says, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, and people will be lovers of money, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, boastful, proud, disobedient to their parents. And then at the end, it gets to the very last one, and it says, and it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And I began to think about that. Having a form of godliness, kind of a, I look good, but no power for godliness. No supernatural power. It's the Greek word dunamis, it's power. Oh, the tragedy if the people of God have a plastic form, but no power. And the people in the city or the people around look at the church people and they go, they're nice, but they got no power. They're they, they, they've got a form of programming, but there's no power. But if you're walking in power, if you're, if you're seeing God do powerful things, I'm telling you, it's a gateway into the church being what God's called it to be in Northern Colorado. So if Mill City says, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do services on Sundays and we're gonna do small groups and we're gonna have a growth track and we're gonna have people serve and we're gonna, we're gonna do all these different things but it's just programming and no power, then you won't accomplish God's plan for Mill City. But if there is this little engine, the powerhouse of the church, where the people of God are crying out to God in prayer, then there's the power of God in your midst and all these just average regular gatherings become supernatural in their power. And that's one of my biggest fears is that we would, that we would, that we would have a form of godliness and just deny power, dunamis, power. I think of it like a mannequin because I hate mannequins because mannequins are like perfect, right? Mannequins, and now mannequins are like, you know, like very realistic looking, right? And they 
The mannequin, though, if you're at a mannequin, if you're at a mannequin, if you're at the mall and you see a mannequin, you're like, looks like a human, but it ain't human. It's, 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 it's got a form, but it's not the real deal. And let me tell you, in our personal journey, it's very easy to just become a form of behavior and you haven't cried out to God in prayer. There's no vitality of God have your way in my life, in my marriage, in my children, in my city. But you take that raw, real, many people are bored with God because they're distant from God. But there's people that have been disappointed. Some of the people that I know that are the closest to God have faced tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, and they still cry when they talk about him, and they sing songs at 75 years old, sing, he's been faithful, faithful to me. Why? Because they're close to God. So they can end up in a prison cell and still be close. They can go through the, the valley of the shadow of death and end up close. You don't have to live spiritually bored because you have accusation that God didn't answer your prayers the way that you wanted. You draw near to his heart and you'll, you'll, you go day after day and you can go, there are a whole lot of things I don't understand, but I trust you. And I wanna invite you. I wanna invite you to go all in with 21 days of prayer and watch God move powerfully. Um, when I was in college, I bought my high school buddies Ford Mustang and uh, when I was in the early 90s, um, must, I don't know what's cool now, but Ford Mustang was really cool. And uh, actually when I met Aaron, I still drove that Mustang. And uh, so my buddy, um, he wanted a 5.0, uh, but his dad was afraid that he would wreck it if he had that much power under the hood. So his dad bought him an LX instead of a GT. And he had this small, tiny engine, a four-cylinder engine, but it had this body shape where they actually went, spent an extra $2,000 to soup it up and make it look like our buddy who had a 5.0. Actually bought the decals, the stickers, made it, I mean, it said 5.0. It looked like a 5.0, it, 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 but it was not a 5.0. And I thought, I'm gonna buy that car. And so I, 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 he, when, when he went off to college, I bought his car and I would drive that thing around and I felt amazing. Cause I had been a triplet, so was, but I was a triplet where I had to share a car. I grew up where we had to share everything, a birthday, we had to share a candy bar. And even in high school, we had to share, I mean, we had to share a car. And uh, I got it like 10% of the time. So I bought my own car. It was a Ford Mustang. I was feeling good. And I would pull up to like a red light and people would look at me, tinted windows, ground effects, said, you know, Mustang. And it looked good. It was fire engine. It, it, was, it, it was awesome. And they look at me and they rev their engine. But I had a problem when they'd rev the engine. <laughs> because though it looked amazing and it had a form of power, I had nothing under that hood. It's the, my wife's current minivan is faster than that car <laughs> by a long shot. So I would just look back at them and I'd just be like, nah, you don't want to mess with this. Nah. And I'd look at them like, ah, because I knew I didn't want to actually race because I had no power. And when we start to operate that way and we're not looking at people and we're saying, let me pray for you. Let me, but we kind of think, I'm not sure that God is at work. I don't know. We'll back up and be passive. I'm believing God for power over passivity prayer over passivity, and for you to know I've seen God work, I know his character, and there are moments where he leans into human history and does something amazing. And I'll tell you this, there, there will be a moment where we'll stand before God and we'll say, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns, Revelation 19. 
And you're not going to look back at human history and say, you know, Jesus, when you said in Matthew 7, ask and you receive, seek and you find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives, all who seek find, everyone that knocks the door is open. You're not going to look back and go, Jesus, that wasn't true. You look back and you'll go, you were true to your words. Sermon on the Mount was fact. And though not all prayers turned out like I had hoped, God, you are at work and you are all wise. You are all good. You are all faithful. You'll sing the song that we sang in worship and it'll resonate. Oh, the privilege of singing that and saying that to God now. I've seen a woman who had her two daughters shot and three days later, I don't get it, but I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna stand before God and say, I trust you in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. And I wanna invite you I'm gonna invite you to believe and go, God, I trust you. I'm gonna believe God. And sometimes, sometimes you see God just reach in and go, I'll do a miracle. And I, I think you gotta think of it this way. I, I, I don't see it. I, I, there's, there's a whole lot of things that, a whole lot of times that we, that we just, uh, just last, last week, I mean, literally, I'm rallying my family to pray for a guy in Kansas City to be healed like God healed Poppy. And that family is asking our family to pray. And we're, we're trying. We're, and he passed away. And so there are moments that are so hard. And there are some moments where you see victory. And you just go, God, I trust you. But here's the privilege I choose to be the person that spends my 75, 80 years on planet earth praying instead of backing up in accusation and apathy and passivity. Instead of passivity, I'm going for prayer. I'll close with this. When my kids were little, we had a jack-in-the-box toy. Right? And what you're looking forward to and scared by is the <laughs> da, 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 pow, right? That's what you're waiting for. And so it's great moments where we're praying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we're wishing every day was pow, 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 pow. It's not my experience. My experience in prayer, I started leading prayer meetings, daily prayer meetings when I was 14. Now I'm old. I, that's 31 years ago, right? And there's... There's a whole, by, I don't, I don't, sorry, I don't mean I've led a prayer meeting every day, just in junior high, high school, and I have a culture of prayer meetings. And there's been a whole lot of moments where it's been, I wish there was more pow, wish there was more miracles, wish there was more pow, pow, pow. But the privilege of the intercessor is to just come before God day after day, week after week, month after month. The privilege is and we celebrate every time there's the pow. Every time God just goes, all right, 60, 55, 40. Every time God just does a miracle. And sometimes, sometimes we say, God, I trust you. And sometimes we go, God, you did a miracle again. Will you stand with me? And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for miracles. We just stretch out your hands. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask for miracles here in Fort Collins and Northern Colorado.
at Mill City Church. And I'm asking that we would be surprised after these 21 days, more intimate with God, more connected with intercessors, where it's, it's a greater joy to gather at the prayer meeting than even to feast on food or watch a basketball game. It's God at work in our midst. And I'm asking that they would see the power of God. I pray for great faith. I pray that these 21 days would be the best yet in their history. I pray for the stories of God at work. Pow, miraculous healings. Pow, marriage is restored. Pow, prodigals come home. Pow, lost people coming to know Jesus.